0: Prayer. We're talking about prayer. That's our subject. Biblical prayer is what we're talking about, and um, prayer is like grabbing onto a live wire. You know what I mean? Um, if you've done that, you know exactly what I mean. <laughs> you know, like if you if you're a handy kind of guy, you have been electrocuted at some point. Um, that's when you're not insulated, you feel the jolt. But if uh, you're insulated with rubber or the right gloves, then you don't feel a thing when you grab onto that live wire. It's amazing what will happen when um, you have the right equipment. But prayer, prayer through the Holy Spirit is like grabbing onto a live wire and still living. <laughs> That's what prayer is. Yes. right? But if you, don't have the, if you don't have the Holy Spirit working in you and the Word of God flowing through you and a relationship with Christ, then you're going to feel a jolt that could kill you. Right? Prayer is is so powerful. It's powerful. It's a powerful experience to be able to pray. And last week we talked about the who, the who of prayer that we that when we pray, we're we're praying to God, right? God the Father. We're standing at the throne of his grace in prayer. Like that's what's happening when we pray. We are like we are like being transferred out of this place and we are standing before God in a spiritual sense, and God is listening to us. We are we are crying out to Him. We're calling out to God, and we do that through Jesus. That's the only way we can do that. It's through Jesus, and we do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. We cannot pray without the Holy Spirit living in us, because He's the one that's communicating with His Father, and all we're doing is like surrendering to that. We're, we're getting our flesh lined up with the fact that our spirit needs to talk to Father God, and we're going to, like, pause ourselves for a moment and get the flesh out of the way and let God speak to our hearts and the spirit of God that's living in us. Mother Teresa said this, God speaks in the silence of the heart. Listening is the beginning of prayer. That's good, isn't it? Listening. Is the beginning of prayer. And so many times we come into prayer talking. And what we should do is come into prayer listening. Right? Because it's a communication between God and us, right? That's what prayer is. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter six. Uh, Daniel, we all know, was a, a great man of God. God did amazing things through Daniel. And God uh, Daniel stood for God in, in so many ways, in so many different ways and was god 's man at god 's at this particular time in history and, and daniel Daniel's, Daniel stood out among everyone else, like head and shoulders above everyone else, because he was a man of God, and because he put his faith and his trust and he held on to God in a kingdom that didn 't and uh, what what 's happening here in Daniel six is this. Um, He's faced with this big dilemma in Daniel 6, the satraps who are leaders and the administrators and the governors, uh, they got the king, King Darius, to, to make this decree, to, to set out this decree that, that if anyone prayed to anything or any other king other than King Darius, that they should be like thrown into the lion's den. And that meant, basically, certain death, right? Unless you're insulated, right? Then, then there's hope, right, for you. So if you're thrown into a lion's den, you're, you're going to become a snack, is basically what, what's going to happen here. So, and, and, the, and these guys did this because they knew that Daniel prayed to God. They knew three times a day Daniel prayed to his God. And, and they set him up for disaster. It's really what they did. God seemed to work in a mighty way in that, and, and he turned the table on them, didn't he? But so what happens here in Daniel 6, verse 10, let me read that uh, for you. It says this, now when Daniel, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, because that's the way they face, toward Jerusalem. Because when Jews pray, they want to remember Jerusalem, that promised land, that, that, that temple, that tabernacle. Three times a day, he got on, down on his knees and he prayed giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. <laughs> That's Daniel saying, you can make all the decrees you want, but I'm going to pray to my God. And you can do what you want with me. And my God will rescue me if he wants to. I'm not afraid of the world, that's Daniel. That's what Daniel's saying. Three times a day. That was like the Jewish custom, right? And they still do it today. Jew, good Jewish men do this three times a day. Women don't have to do it, only about once. But in the morning, it's morning light prayer. It's afternoon prayer, and it's it's evening or nightfall prayer. And it involves uh, kneeling. It involves a bunch of standing, which is. Growing up Catholic is where they got all that from, you know. You get on your knees for a while and you stand up and then down on your knees and you sit and then you're up and then you're down. If you've been to a Catholic service, you understand what I'm talking about. But but that came out of this Jewish tradition of prayer. There's a lot of reading of the Psalms and and praises and giving thanks and crying out to God, asking God for different things. And, and the Jews have this Jewish prayer book called the Sidar, which they use in their prayer. So the Jews pray to God three times a day. That's when they pray. And they face Jerusalem to remember the land of their ancestors. And they wear this black box on their head. Have you seen that? See a picture of that? And that's got a piece of the scroll in it, like the Torah, to remember, you know, that God delivered them from Egypt and that God is their God. So a lot of symbolism in the Jewish prayer and a lot, of, a lot of ritual in the Jewish prayer. And it was established, right, in the Old Testament law through different people. Like the morning prayer was, uh, was instituted because of Abraham. And they say that the afternoon prayer was instituted through Isaac and that the evening prayer was instituted through Jacob. And so that's why they remember these three times of prayer. And for them in the Old Testament, it was, it was a time when God was watching over his people. And they, they wanted to remember to pray with a lot of repetition, a lot of words, a lot of readings, but they prayed. They made sure they did that. They had the when down, right? They had the when down. At a time, though, when the Holy Spirit, we know, would come on people, especially God's prophets and his people, he, the Spirit would come on them and use them in a mighty way, but the Spirit didn't dwell with God's people like he does today, uh, in a permanent way, within the hearts of, of his people. And so when we talk about the when, when we talk about the when of biblical prayer, it's not about a time, okay? That's what we're going to get into. For Christians, for us, for you and me, the time to pray is not three times a day, necessarily. It's not necessarily before we eat or before I lay me down to sleep. But in all seasons, we're to pray, right? At all times, we're to pray, continually we're to pray. Paul said it like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He said, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So Paul says to all of us, for the Christian with the Holy Spirit living in you, we are to pray continually, like all the time, constantly, never stopping. In Philippians 4, he said it like this, don't be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So Paul says here, don't worry about stuff. In every situation, pray. In every situation you find yourself in, pray. Pray. So ask yourself this morning, when things happen in my life, when I go through my day, do I pray? Is that where I go first? Or is that where I go later? <laughs> yeah, after I've reacted, right? Our first reaction should be, I just need to give this to God. I just need to, I just need to call out on God. And, and we walk every day in that light. A not-so-famous person said this, to be constant in prayer is our greatest battle. To be constant in prayer. That's our greatest battle. Think about that. It isn't doing things for God, really. It isn't writing books. It isn't preaching sermons. It isn't teaching kids' classes. Our constant battle, our constant prayer is the greatest battle to continually stay in a mode of prayer as we walk on this earth, like with one eye on God and one eye on on what we're doing, right? That's how we live our lives. That's how we should live our lives. Now, teenagers don't drive like that, but that's how we should live our life, right? One eye on the Lord, crying out, looking for His direction, and one eye on the world, seeking where God wants to lead me that 's a life of prayer that, that 's what it means when the scripture talks about walking in the spirit right we 're called to walk in the spirit or to be clothed in the Lord right that means that we're we 're constantly, we're constantly connected to the Lord as we go about everything in our day we 're continually like in tune with him right we 're in tune with the Lord. All the time, constantly, in all seasons, in every way. Right? Don't you hate it when when your uh, your internet drops you, right? Your your Wi-Fi disconnects you, right? Michael, you don't like that, do you? No, it's aggravating, right? Can't get anything done. <laughs> you can't get nothing done, right? When when it's always you know your streaming freezes, like up in the youth room does all the time. Freezes and you're just stuck in a in a spot. Well, what we ought to be as, as we live on this earth is a hot spot for God. That's what we should be for God. It's like this hot spot that never that is never getting weak. It always has all its bars, and we're always in tune with what God is doing in us and then through us, and we're in constant communication with God. The Christian walk requires a focused connection with the Father, with Father God. So we're overcomers, right? Scripture calls us overcomers. Passage in John 16 talks about overcomers. And the question then is how do we become overcomers? How are we an overcomer? John 16:33 says this. Jesus is speaking, he says, I've told you, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have what? Trouble. He says, "Take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus overcame the world, and the way we overcome the world is by staying connected to Jesus, right? That's how we do it. That's, what we're, that's our goal, It's to stay connected to Jesus so that with him we overcome whatever comes our way. If we're going to walk with Jesus and overcome the attacks that are constantly coming against us by the enemy, it's going to take knowing when to pray, knowing when to pray. The when, the when of prayer, knowing when to pray. So let me give you a, a couple of thoughts about when to pray uh, from the scriptures, from biblical prayer, and what when, well, when to pray is, what prayer is on the when. And if you would, turn with me to Luke 18. Luke 18. Okay, passage of scripture. Jesus is teaching all kinds of great truths to his disciples. You Just got to love the way that Jesus went about ministry and life. You know, teaching along the way. Just allowing, allowing life to unfold the teachings from heaven. Letting, letting what happens as they walked become the next point of, of truth that he could impart in his disciples. love how that happens throughout the scriptures. But in Luke 18, he's teaching these truths and... Um, The first point is this, when it comes to the when in prayer, isn't about a time on your watch or a time of the day, but it is about praying to God day and night, day and night, number one. So here's what happens when Jesus, um, in chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus told them, his disciples, this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So that's the focal point of, the, par- of the, the parable. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor uh, cared about men. Not a good judge, right? And there was a widow in that town that, who kept coming to him, the judge, with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, Jesus says, will he find faith on the earth, So it's a parable about the pers- this persistent widow and this judge, this mean, mean judge, this judge who won't listen, right? That's the story. And it's a story about being persistent. He says in the verses, he says, who, come, who cry out to him day and night as an example of what our prayers should look like. That we are praying, cr- praying to God, we're crying out to God day and night, not in a nagging way, not in a commanding way or a demanding way, but in a humble way we're coming to God, and we 're humbly asking God for what it is we feel we need right that's, that's what prayer is. It's day and night persistently coming to him. Jesus says, and then he goes on to say in these, in these verses, he says, "Jesus says, "When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth?" In other words, will he find this kind of faith?" On the earth. What kind of faith is that? What's he talking about? He's talking about a person who will pray to him, who will cry out to him night and day. That's when. Night and day. That's when we should pray. Night and day. Right? In all seasons, we are praying to God, we are seeking God, we are constantly coming to God. Not just in the morning, not just at night, not just in the afternoon, not just when we eat, but we are living a life of constant communicating with our Father in heaven. That's what faith is, according to Jesus. Continual prayer, not based on your watch, but based on your breath. Right? If you're breathing, you're praying. Right? It's your spirit that needs to stay in communication with God, the Father. Because God wants to work in you today. God wants to do new things in you today. God wants to do new things in the world with you right now. And the way that happens is a good study of the word of God and a leading of the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is God is calling you to do. And that won't happen if we are not in constant communication with God. Number two of the when is this. while you're rejoicing. While you're rejoicing. So go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Short passage here in Philippians 4. Paul is speaking again. And he says rejoice in the Lord always. Don't you love that? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in christ jesus so number two when do we pray it's not about a time It's when we're rejoicing. Well, you're rejoicing, right? Are you rejoicing about something? You should praise God for that, right? We should look for ways to praise God. He says, always, always, right? Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, always. And he says, the Lord is near. Look at the verses. That's a reason to rejoice, right? The Lord is near. So what does it do for me when I understand that the Lord is near, that, that His coming could happen any time, and that His presence is right here with me now? What that does to me is, is it helps me overcome anything that I'm facing, right? whatever is coming at you, you can rejoice in, because greater is the one who is with you than the one that is in the world. So you have victory. You are overcoming already, because the Lord is with you, and the Lord is near, right? So we stay prayed up, because of what we look forward to, that the Lord's coming is near as well. And he says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. Why? Because anxiousness is worry. Anxiousness is to be stressed. And that is the direct opposite of faith and trust. You can't be trusting in God if you're being a worrier too. You're either doing one or the other. Right? So, so when you give something to God, He has it. He has it, Right? So if I give you something, it's yours. I don't have it anymore. So why am I going to worry about something that I don't even have anymore? See, anxiousness and worry is is like we give things to God, but we hang on to them too. So we don't really give them to Him. And we, we are worrying about things that we have said we gave to God, but we have not. And Paul says, we pray continually while rejoicing even in the midst of, of not so fun things because we know that the Lord is near and that he's with us and we can trust him. And then he wraps up this incredible this, this, this statement with this incredible promise. And he says this, if we will do this, if we will rejoice in the Lord, he says the peace of God, which transcends all of your understanding, which means it goes beyond anything you can hope or think, right? Whatever you think God can do, he can do way more than that. He will blow your thoughts out of the water with what he can do. And, and Paul says, let the peace of God that transcends whatever you might think, however smart you think you might be, It will guard your hearts, this peace of God and this presence of God. It's going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when we pray, we pray rejoicing, right? While we're rejoicing, our hearts and our minds are on the Lord. So when should we pray? Number three, when I mess up. That's when. When I make a mess of things, which happens way more than we would like, right? Anybody want to admit that? Yes, Lord. <laughs> the Lord knows. Psalm, 30, uh, Psalm 32, if you would go there with me. Great passage of Scripture, five verses right here in Psalm 32. The psalmist touches on this idea of, 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 of our, our sinning, of us messing up, and, and how we, we go to God with that. The great passage of Scripture. In Psalm 32, look what it says. "Blessed, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. Say amen to that? Because that's you, and that's me, right? That's us. Blessed, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. That is a good thing. And in whose spirit is no deceit. Verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. When do we pray? When we mess up. That's when we pray. Check this out in these verses, if you're looking at them. There's one who has sinned, that's us, right? And, and when we talk about sin, we're talking about sin in all kinds of ways, at all kinds of times. In fact, we make up new ways to sin. In our new techno world, we create new ways to sin all the time. There's the one who has sinned, and then there is the one who forgives. And that's what we need to understand, that we are the ones who have sinned and we need the one who forgives. And he says, keeping it in or remaining silent about it will destroy you. Okay, it will destroy you. Whatever it is you do that you know you shouldn't do, confess it to the Lord because if you hold it in, it will destroy you. Look what he says. My bones, he says, wasted away. That is why some are stressed. That is why some are depressed. That is why some groan all day long. Because they're holding it in. And the great truth of the passage is this, that that, that's the contrast, that we are either praying and living or we are groaning and living and dying, right? That's the contrast between the two people, the one who confesses his sin to the Lord or the one who holds it in, not wanting to be honest with God and give it to the Lord. In verse 5, he says, I acknowledged my sin. I did not cover it up. I confessed it to the Lord. And what came flowing down? When we pray like that, when we mess up and we give that to God and we go to the Lord and we say, God, I have sinned against you and you only. When we confess our sin to the Lord and we confess our wrongdoing, here's what flows. Forgiveness and freedom, right? That's what flows. Guilt is removed from your heart and from your soul. See, prayer, prayer is about coming clean with God when we mess up. That's what it is. So when do we pray? When we mess up. Number four is this. When you're suffering, we should pray, Right? When you're, when you're hurting, when you're struggling, when you're under attack. James, uh, James gives us some insight on that. If you go to James uh, chapter 5 with me. James chapter 5. Great passage of scripture about how God works in his people when they, when they come to him in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hard times and, and struggles in their lives. James chapter 5, verse 7. James says this, Be patient. Then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. That's a good truth right there, right? No matter whatever you're going through right now in your life, whatever you're dealing with, James says to you this morning, God says to you this morning, be patient. The Lord's coming. Hang on, right? Just hold on tight. The Lord is coming, so whatever you're dealing with, it will pass. The Lord is coming. He's coming for you. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains. Um, Verse 8 says this, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So James teaches us that, that we are to be patient In the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our suffering, whatever it is you may be going through, be patient. Tell yourself, be patient. Just hang on. Kind of like a farmer waits for his crop through the storm and through the rain and through the heat. He knows and he trusts that those crops are going to produce a fruit one day. And he patiently waits. That's what he says. He says, you too, be patient, number one. Stand firm, number two, and the Lord's coming is near. So we remember that. We, re, we look forward to the big picture that the Lord is coming. So when do we pray? We pray in the midst of struggles, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials. And we do that by being patient, right? We, we're patient. We're waiting on the Lord. God's going to do something through this. And we, we do it remembering that he is with us. And we do that also standing firm on the truth of his word. Verse 13, look what he says. Skip over to verse 13. He says, is any one of you uh, in trouble? That word means afflicted. He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So when do we pray? When we're suffering, when we're in trouble, when we're struggling. He says, when you are in trouble, when you are sick, when you have messed up, you've sinned, Here's what, here's what he says. Here's what James says you are to do. Here's what you ought to do. It's real simple. Four-letter word. Pray. And then pray some more. And then keep on praying day and night. That's what you do. And there's some things that should like be a part of prayer, right? If you're in trouble, he says, you pray. Pray it up. You seek God. Are you happy? Then you should worship, right? Worship the Lord. In prayer, we worship God. Are you sick? Here's what you do. You call the elders. And you let them come and anoint you with oil and they pray over you. That's what you do. That's what the Word of God says. If you've sinned, here's what you do. You confess that to each other. You pray for one another so that God will heal you. That's what we do. All of it is saturated and surrounded by prayer. It's all about prayer. And then he gives us this other promise at the end of uh, verse 16. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective because God is able to work, right? That's why, because God is able to work. So when when do we pray? We pray in our pain and we pray in our suffering. We pray at all times, in all occasions, everywhere and anywhere, right? At all times we pray, pray. And last but not least is this, number five. When The when of prayer is this, is when you are attacked. When you are attacked or under attack, and uh, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus gives us an example of that. Luke 6, if you want to go there with me. When you are under attack, and that happens in lots of different ways, doesn't it? it happens in this world. It happens through people you know and people you don't know, right? The attacks of the evil one come in all kinds of Ways and by all different directions. We've talked about that before. The battle surrounds us, right? That's why it's so important that Jesus calls us to pray, that biblical prayer is about being in constant communication with God as we walk through our day, day and night, because the enemy is always looking for an opportunity to attack. And he's going to do it when you put your shield down, right? When you put your guard down. He's going to come after you. In verse 27 of Luke 6, check out what it says here. He says, Jesus says, But I tell you, I tell tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. You get that? That's tough, right? I mean, that's a tall order, but he says, First of all, first of all, it says, those of you who are still listening, right? I love that, right? Those of you who hear me, Jesus says, because like Bruce mentioned yesterday at our men's breakfast, there's plenty of people who heard, but not everyone who really listened, right? We don't all listen. Your parents are talking to you and you're not listening. Right? Your teacher's talking to you and you haven't heard a word they said. Jesus is speaking to you in his word and we're off doing something else. So he says, those of you who are hearing me, those of you who are still listening, you haven't drifted off, right? You're not daydreaming, you're not thinking about lunch. Those of you are still engaged in the conversation, right? He says this, if you're still listening, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Look what he says, do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Well, those are some powerful things that Jesus is saying to these guys, right? Some powerful truth. And this is not easy because you and I both know our natural reaction to any kind of attack is to get defensive, right? That's what we do. We get defensive. Put up your dukes. All right, we're ready to go. Ready to go. And this is exactly why the Bible calls us to be in prayer continually. Right, That we are strongly connected to God. Right, That we have all of our connection to God is in place and intact. Because you will never know when you're going to be caught up in somebody else's mess. Or your own mess for that matter. Or the mess of the world, right? Messes are everywhere, and they're going to come at you, and they're going to splatter you. And if you're not prayed up, you're going to react wrong, right? That's the truth. If we're not living this this constant attitude of prayer, then we're going to get caught up in this. And he's like saying to you and me, be prayed up. Stay connected to the source. and brace yourself. Like, be ready. This stuff's coming. In verse 29, He goes on to say, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other. Also, if someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. What if you lend to those, and if you lend to those who only uh, ex- and expect the payment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back then your, your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is, he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful to you. What a powerful passage of loving those who attack us or loving those who mistreat us. That's hard to do, isn't it? I mean, that's tough to do. Only only a heart living and dwelling and lingering in connection with God will be able to do that. We'll be able to overcome the worldly attack that comes at us. Only a heart that is in tune with God will ever respond in this way. I won't respond the way Jesus just called us to respond on my own. In my flesh, I will not do it. But in the Spirit, I might I possibly could pull it off, right? right? That's true about all of us. That only, only if God is having his way in me will I be able to do this. And this is the exact way that we see like Jesus responding to life experiences around him, right? With a heart and a mind and a soul of prayer, contemplation. He's constantly connected to his Father as he's walking around the earth. And that's the only way Jesus is able to respond in these ways. Someone once said, Prayer is hard and it is simple at the same time. It's getting your flesh life lined up with the spirit in you that is seeking to communicate with the Father. Simple, right? Just pray. And yet it's so hard because it's a battle to get myself out of the way and let God in me work. This morning we were reading 1 Peter up in our our study this morning, and the scripture said this. It said the prophets trying to find out the time and the circumstances of which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of Jesus. In other words, even the prophets of old, when they foretold about the coming of Christ. They longed. They they were trying to figure out what the Spirit in them was saying through them. See, There's a Spirit of God living and active in you, working. And our job is to get lined up with the Spirit of God that is communicating with His Father and working through us. And the only way we do that is by staying in constant communication with the Father. Prayer is a powerful force. It will, give you, it will give you the ability to leap tall spiritual buildings in a single bound. You will have like supernatural power to do unbelievable things through prayer. It will allow you to live a life of holiness and godliness which pleases the Lord we know. And so we pray, right? That's what we do. We pray. We pray. We pray to, to who? God the Father, right? We come to God the Father, we stand at the throne of grace when we pray. And we do it through Jesus. That's the only way we come, is through and in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. And the only way we can do that is with the, the help of the Holy Spirit. That's the who. And then we pray in all circumstances. In every situation, that's the when. No matter what's going on in your life, through trials, through hardship, through rejoicing, through good times, bad times, in all seasons, that's the when. That's when we pray. Father, we love you so much, and we're so grateful that you love us. And Lord, this morning as we, as we think about prayer and what it is and what the Scripture teaches us about talking to you, God, I pray that you would help us that you would help us to, to better understand how to pray and how to continually be in a mindset of prayer as we live on this earth. God, help us to know how to do that, to be effective as people on the planet, but to be in tune with you constantly, that we would walk with you hand in hand 24-7. You would be the one we run to, You would be the one that we cry out to day and night. God, we need you so much. We pray that you would teach us. Your spirit would help us. Your word would guide us. Thank you, Father, for saving us. We love you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.